Today's Sunday sermon has been made possible by the members of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and listeners like you. Thank you so much for your continued prayerful and financial support of this ministry. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and how to get involved, or simply want to give a gift, please just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net today. I'll say it again, any teaching that distracts from the success of what Jesus did at the cross is a complete waste of time to pursue. Amen? So we're going to knock over some sacred cows this morning. Tradition is what makes the covenant of no effect. you got to be careful about what your grandma taught you. Mm. Go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to be reading mostly out of the King James. And I'm not dogmatic about King James or anything like that, but I know that that's your grandma's Bible and you trust your grandma and you don't really know me. So I'm going to use her Bible. She said it was okay. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. Say amen if you're there. Matthew chapter 1. Where's y'all's Bibles at? Y'all the next generation, man. Where are they at? Amen. There's an app called YouVersion. It's absolutely free. There's over a thousand different translations in over 900 different languages on that app. Imagine what Paul would have said if Paul had access to the Word the way that we do. Wow, man. Imagine Paul walking around with an iPhone. Oh. <laughs> Woo. Remember he said, bring me the parchments. Just bring me a little piece of them. Man, if he had the access that we have. Come on, somebody. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Purpose of Jesus coming to the earth? To save his people from their sins. What does this mean? And did he do it? Go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 29. Say amen if you're there. I'm conscious of the time and what time I started, but I've really got to give this to you. I'm on assignment. Amen. I was all, I even talked to uh, Ms. Castellaw Miller about uh, what should I wear? What is the lead? I even talked to, to uh, Brother Mason. What, what should I wear? And God said, Look, this ain't about what you got on today. This is about the message that I'm having you deliver. Amen. You will never look at your Christianity the same way as the way you're about to look at it. John chapter 1, verse 29, the scripture says, The next day, somebody say the next day. The next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, look, y'all, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Purpose of Jesus coming to the earth? To take away the sin of the world. My question to you is, why are you still sinning? Either he was successful 
or he wasn't, or either we misunderstand Scripture and we need to. Because if he came to take it away, then why are we still doing it? Go to Romans chapter 5. I come against sin consciousness in this house at the highest of levels. I release righteousness consciousness into our lives right now. How in the world could you be conscious of sin in light of the sacrifice that you have, who is Jesus? In light of what he did at the cross, how could you ever be thinking about what you've done that's in error? Why can't we just think about what he did that was absolutely, totally right? Romans chapter 5, and we'll start at verse 19. Say amen if you're there. King James reads, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Who's that guy? Who said that over here? Adam. So because of this guy, somebody say this guy. For as by one man's disobedience, Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Who's that guy? Come on, somebody. Let's Let's put some stars by his name, amen? Jesus. So because of what he did, everybody was exhibited as a sinner. But because of this guy, everybody can be exhibited as the righteousness of God. Say amen if you understand that. Keep going. Verse verse 20. Moreover, the law entered. Your own performance making you right with God entered. (laughs) Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But as where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I don't care how much sin is in your life, it'll never be bigger than grace. Come on, that's good. Grace will always outdo it. It'll always outdo lack. Uh, it'll always outdo insufficiency. It will always outdo unbelief. It will always outdo sin. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Verse 21. That as sin, somebody say sin. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's deal with the first part of verse 21. That as sin has reigned unto death for years, especially in the Pentecostal churches, we have been taught that sinning has reigned unto death. That's a verb. An action. Amen? This is a noun. Two different Greek words translated as the same English word. Could you imagine the translators from the King James sitting there going, there's two different words. Let's translate them as the same word and cause all kind of confusion until 2022 where somebody decides to straighten it out. Why in the world would you translate two different words as the same word into the English. So we need to get understanding. Proverbs 4 and 7 says, in all you'll get in, get what? Understanding. So let's get some. Amen? As the body of Christ, God wants us to know this. In the book of Romans, sin, the word sin, somebody say sin. Sin is in the book of Romans 48 times. 
40 of those times it's a noun. This word, hamartia. It's translated from this word, hamartia, as sin. Eight times in the book of Romans, it's a verb, the action, sinning. That's this word, hamartano. Two different Greek words translated as the same word causing all kinds of misunderstanding in the body of Christ. Getting people to question whether or not they're really born again because they still have sin in their life. They still have sinning. They don't have sin in their life. In the book of Romans chapter 6, the word sin is a verb one time, and that's in verse 15. And we'll get there. But let's go to Romans chapter 6 and look at verse 1. What he's talking about is the sin nature versus sinning. He's talking about a noun. A noun is a what? Come on. Some of y'all graduate from Clayton County High Schools. I can tell. <laughs> it's a person, a place, a thing, or an idea. Whereas a verb is what? Action. Something going on, right? It's an action word. Jesus did not come to deal with sinning. He came to deal with the sin nature that causes the sinning. Ah, let me say that again. Jesus did not come to deal with sinning. He came to deal with the sin nature that was in you before you were born again that causes the sinning. Jesus loves you so much, he didn't want to deal with the fruit. He wanted to deal with the root. If you take care of the root issue, you'll take care of the fruit issue. Ah, but God loves you, and he doesn't love you superficially. He don't want to just take care of the fruit. He wants to take care of the root. Romans 6 and 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Noun or verb? Woo, we don't know, do we? Ah, it's a noun. Homartia in the Greek. Shall we continue in that sin nature? Shall we continue in the nature that we were born with before we were born again? Shall we continue in that? That grace may abound. Paul is not saying shall we continue sinning. He's talking about the old man, the body of sin, the sin nature, the one that you were born with. Shall we continue in it? Look at what he says in verse 2. God forbid. How shall we? How can you continue in a nature that you as a born-again Christian don't have anymore? Come on. That root is gone. Come on. And I'm going to show you that it's gone. I'm going to prove to you by the scriptures who you really are in light of what Jesus has done for you. <clears throat> Somebody say breathe, Shane. I'm excited to be here, man. Some of, the, some of us have been praying for me to come here. Amen. Thank you, Brother Blankenship. Amen. <laughs> God forbid, verse 2, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Somebody say, I'm dead to sin. But Brother Bobby, I just sinned on the way here. Somebody got my parking space. <laughs> That's a verb. That's the fruit. I'm talking about the root. 
The day that you were born again, let me tell you what happened when you were born again. How many of you were born again? Raise your hand. How many of you are in covenant relationship with Jesus Christ? Amen. The day that you were born again, Jesus, <laughs> he snatched out your dead spirit and replaced it with the new creation. Every attack against you people is going to be an attack against your identity because he doesn't want you to know that you are really the new creation. He wants you to think that you are what you've been doing. <sighs> he wants you to think that your performance is who you are. He wants you to think that failures, felonies, and infidelities are identity, but they are not. They are just events that happen to us in life. Somebody say, I am. Who I am says I am. You are dead to the old man. How could you continue to live in it? God is not bipolar. You do not have two natures. The Holy Ghost is very possessive of you. He has moved in and he has sealed you. Good can't get out, the bad can't get in. And he ain't about to share you with some demonic influence. Somebody say amen to that. Maybe you'll get that on the way home, but amen. You are now occupied by the new creation. You have a new root. What Paul is saying is how can you continue to live by the sin nature, sin, when you don't have that nature anymore? I want somebody to say the sin nature is gone. Somebody say the nature of sin is gone. What makes you a Christian? Does coming to church today make you a Christian? What about helping little old ladies across the street? Does that make you a Christian? What about giving somebody a bite of your peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Does that make you a Christian? Does speaking in tongues make you a Christian? What makes you a Christian? Jesus. Jesus. You can't be a Christian without the Christ. Amen? You take the Christ out and you're just the end. <laughs> So Christ, somebody say Christ, Christ. Has, made has made me a Christian. A Christian. Everybody good with that, right? Yeah. All right, now what makes you a sinner? Ah. What makes you a sinner? It is not sinning. I just read it to you in Romans chapter 5. This guy is who made you a sinner. You were born that way. Little bitty baby, still got afterbirth all over you, and you are a sinner. What do you think happened? The egg and the sperm got into a fight inside the womb, and you cussed each other out, and that's how you were born a sinner? <laughs> Does seem legit. I wish my brother would have came here this morning. I, I like to refer to me and him as womb mates, amen? <laughs> what makes you a sinner? Being born. If you don't remember anything else I say, remember this. Your identity can only come from your birth. It cannot come from your behavior. Ah, I come against the legalism in this room, God. I come against it at the highest of levels. <laughs> Jesus knew when he came he had to deal with the root issue. Sinning is a fruit of a sin nature as a root. Somebody say, I don't have a sin nature. 
then why is it that Christians still sin? Simple. Because we don't renew the mind. Most important thing I can tell anybody on this planet, anybody, is to get born again. Cut covenant with Jesus right now. Don't make another step. Cut covenant with him. Believe that he is who he said he was. Now that you're in covenant relationship with Jesus, the second most important thing anybody can do on this planet is to renew your mind. And you don't renew it and then you're done. It is a renewing of the mind. It is something that takes place on a daily basis. Jesus knew when he came, he had to deal with the root issue. The moment that you realize that you have a new root is the same moment that you'll realize that you have a right to new fruit. I'm living this. If you read my first book, you will see that I have absolutely no authority in the natural realm to be up here preaching this gospel. But in the spiritual realm, I'm a son. Come on, somebody. When y'all pray, you go into the throne room boldly and with confidence, with a righteous consciousness, not based on what you've done, but based on what he did. Amen? Identity comes from birth, not behavior. Sinning does not make you a sinner. Sinning does not make you a sinner. You were a sinner when you were born and you hadn't sinned yet. That's not fair, is it? We didn't even get to experience the pleasures of sin before we were identified as a sinner. Well, there's a flip side of that coin. You are now identified through the new birth as the righteousness of God, and you still ain't done nothing right. (laughs) Amen? The old Adamic, satanic, demonic nature that you were born with was compliments of this guy right here. I don't know about you, when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to some folks. I mean, I'm going to be just like y'all. Take me to the king. I want to see the stripes and the holes that are on his body. And I don't know how long I'll stay there. But I got other business up there too, man. And this dude right here is one of these cats I want to talk to. What in the world, man? If there's ever a time to step in front of your woman when she's talking, it's to the devil. Man. The day that you got born again, somebody say, I'm born again. You lost the nature of sin. You don't have it anymore. You gain the nature of God. You don't have to go there. 1 Corinthians 6 and 17 says, he that is joined unto the Lord is what? Is Corinthians in y'all's Bible? 1 Corinthians 6 and 17. Let's go there. Everybody go there. Just go there. Let's see this, man. Well, I only took 10 minutes, Shane, and you're off your notes. That's great. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 17. Somebody say amen if you're there. You just don't hear pages turning like you used to because everybody's digital. But he, make it personal. Put your name in there. But Bobby Shane Brooks that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Sir, you're one spirit with God. I can't see you without seeing Jesus. He's in you, he's on you, and he's around you. People say, I hope the Holy Ghost showed up. Huh? He showed up when you did. Somebody say, I'm one spirit with God. 
with this realized nature of God in you, you have the potential to bear the fruit of the Spirit. We don't produce the fruit of the Spirit, we just bear it. Because we're connected to the root. Who's the root? Jesus himself. That's why we need to become more Christ-like. And you will never become more Christ-like if you don't realize you got a new root. You have the nature of God in you, sir. Sir, I can't see you without seeing Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Trinity and everything else that's involved with him because you're born again. When the nature of the devil left you at the born-again experience, it left its software in your mind. Think about what you thought before you were born again. Think about all the things you used to do. I think I'll just take this. <laughs> Nobody will miss it. <laughs> huh? But now you don't have that nature anymore. So when you have an, a, a, a temptation to do something like that, that is the old residue from the old man that controlled the way you thought up until the moment that you got born again. So now God is placing a demand on you to think differently. Oh. Listen, church, you're not responsible for revelation that you don't have. But you are responsible for reaching for it. And now revelation from the throne room itself is being delivered at your feet about your identity because he's madly in love with you and he doesn't want you to take another step on this earth without you knowing that you do not have a nature to sin. Be transformed how? It is possible. It is possible to walk around with God's nature in you and be completely under the operation of the software of the devil because you don't attempt to renew the mind. That's why people that are born again, they're in, I mean, they are going to heaven, but they run around acting like they ain't. Why? Because they're not renewing the mind. I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it. I said it last time. I'm going to say it again. Born again people who, who have overdoses are in heaven. I'll say it again. People that are born again that die of an accidental overdose or on purpose overdose are in heaven. Shocking. What's the only requirement to go to heaven? Be born again, man. John 3 and 7. You must be born again. So your identity comes from your birth because you've been born again. So when you were born, you were identified as a sinner. Now you've been Born again, you're identified as the righteousness of God. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you hadn't sinned. You men up in here talking about, I ain't never committed adultery. Yeah, but have you ever looked at a woman when she walked by? <laughs> Sorry, Jill. <laughs> Jesus called that adultery. He boiled that oil down to its, the law down to its purest form so that you would realize that the law was never given to make you righteous. The law is a mirror that you look into and say, oh my gosh, I got a bunch of hairs out of place. But that mirror does absolutely nothing to help you fix that hair. You want to go to a beautician? You're going to have to find Jesus. Come on. I love it. Come on. 
Verse 3, Romans 6 and 3. It's interesting in Romans 6, he says no three to- four times. 3, 6, 9, and 16, he says no. Knowing this, no, I want you to know it. I want you to know this. God wants you to know this. He wants you to know this. He don't want you to leave out of here the same as you came in today. Amen? Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. So he begins to compare what happened at the cross to what happened to you when you were born again. Verse 4, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, exactly the same as we should walk in newness of life. The old man died, and our new man has been what? Resurrected. Somebody say, I am the new creation. Verse 5 and 6. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. The old man. What happened to the old man? Crucified. That the body of sin might be destroyed. Body of sin. What happened to it? Destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. Noun or verb? Because you've heard this before, sir. (laughs) All my life, I thought that I was in and out of salvation because I knew this scripture, and here I am still sinning. My sinning has nothing to do with this. This is talking about the old nature. It's a noun. Hamartia in the Greek. Let's read it again. For if we have been planted together... Have we been planted together? In the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin is destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve the old man, the body of sin. Why don't you have to serve the old man or the body of sin? Because it's been crucified, because it's been destroyed. Somebody say, I have a new root. We think the born-again experience is just getting us into heaven. Ah, the born-again experience is about you knowing who you are and bringing heaven to earth. Amen. There you go. There you go. Listen, church, we're all he's got to work with. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We're it, man. He can change the world with us. He can change the world with me. He can change the world with you. And he can change the world with just you. Amen. All my life I was told and taught that we should not serve sinning, verb, action. Which would make this a verb, but it is a noun. The reason why we don't have to serve the body of sin or the old man is because it has been destroyed by way of crucifixion. When Jesus died, what happened to you? Come on, y'all. When Jesus died, what happened to you? Yeah, what happened? You died. When Jesus was crucified, what happened to you, young man? 
you were crucified and you died. That's exactly right. But when Jesus rose from the dead, what happened to you? Golly. Every time I teach this, there's a different anointing. And it goes a little different. But this is something the body of Christ needs to know. We need to be secure in our salvation. We need to be secure in who we are, not because of what we've been doing in the booth, in the back, in the corner, in the dark, but because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on that cross. Amen. Amen. Verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Noun or verb? It's a noun. In chapter 6, and I pray y'all get disturbed by this to the point to where you study chapter 6 until your ears fall off. Amen? It's only a verb one time, and that's in verse 15, and we'll get there today. Every other time, it's talking about the old man, the Adamic nature, the satanic nature, the one you were born with, the one you can't get out of without being born again. Because you have died, you are free from the sin nature. That was worth coming to church for just to hear that. You are free from the sin nature. When you are dead to something, you're free from it. It is a word that means it will never be repeated again. Somebody said, well, Paul said we have to die to sin daily. How many of you believe that? How many of you have heard that? Come on, raise your hand. Let me see. Oh. Paul never said that. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to come back to Romans. Let me prove to you that he didn't say it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Say amen if you're there. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 30 and 31. I'm going to read it out of the King James first. And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die, I die daily. So Paul said, I die daily, but he ain't talking about dying daily to sin. How can you die daily to something that you're already dead to? How about this? I'll finish this teaching when everybody in here sits down. I'll finish when you sit down, Todd. How frustrating is that for me to tell you to sit down when you're already seated? How many of you have ever had your cell phone in your hand going, Talking to somebody, going, I just can't find my cell phone. Have y'all? Ah, I have looked all over for it. Have you seen it? Raise your hand. Yeah, it's happened. Amen. It's very frustrating to try to die to something that you're already dead to. The passion says this. And why would we be risking our lives every day, my brothers and sisters? I continually face death. He's talking about the persecution that was coming because of the message that he was preaching. This is as sure as my boasting of you and our co-union together in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. The message says this, and why do you think I keep risking my neck in this dangerous work? So what happened? Some old boy read this scripture and got us dying daily to something that we're already dead to. Bizarre. Somebody say, I'm dead to it. I'm dead to it. 
Why is it? Why is it that when we sin, he can fix all this next Sunday, amen? Why is it that when we sin, when we mess up, when we miss the mark, when we act outside of our true identity, what do we say to ourselves? Man, I got to do better. Oh, I got to do better. I got to do better. I got to do better than that. Wrong thing to say. You know what we need to be saying? I need to believe better. I need to believe better. I need to believe better. I need to believe I am the righteousness of God. I need to believe that I have a new root. I need to believe that what Jesus did is enough. I need to believe that I'm accepted in the beloved. I need to believe that no weapon formed against me will ever prosper. I need to believe that what he did at the cross is enough for me. The issue is not doing better. The issue is believing better. Make sure I got good distance in case somebody throws something. Amen? <laughs> victory over sin. Action word. Victory over sinning does not come by doing better. It comes by believing that we've been freed from the sin nature. You want to see sin drop in your life? Recognize who you are right now in light of what Jesus has already done for you. Somebody say, I'm the righteousness of God. Victory over sinning does not come by working on your behavior. Victory over sin comes by believing that you have a new root. We don't understand enough about what happened when we were born again. We don't understand that he came in and snatched that old, dead, unregenerate root out of you and he replaced it with his own. We are no longer subject to the sin nature. Every bondage that men and women experience in their lives is because they believe wrong. Every bit of it is taking place right here. I'll prove it to you. How many of you have ever been to the country of India? Amen. Anybody ever heard of India? Yeah. Amen. India is a very wealthy country and a very poverty-stricken country on both ends. Okay? And there are people right now as I'm teaching this word in India that are actually, they'll never walk again. They just laid down to die because of hunger right now as I speak. And what's crazy about that is there's a cow in their front yard. How many of you deer hunters like to harvest a cow this morning for a hungry Indian? Amen. Why don't they harvest the cow? Because they have a wrong belief system. Cow right there feed their whole family in their front yard. But they believe that that's an error to do something like that, so they starve to death. Wrong believing. Somebody say, I'm going to believe right. When you believe right, you will live right. When you believe wrong, you will live wrong. If you keep believing that you are a sinner, you're going to keep on sinning. But if you believe that you are a new creation and the very righteousness of God, you will begin to act right. Right believing always precedes right living. i got to get you to believe right. And any chance I ever come to take this precious pulpit 
with these men right here, I'm going to preach identity. I'm going to fill you full of who you really are in light of what Jesus has done for you. Amen? He's always after identity. Your enemy's always after you. He don't want you to know who you are. He did it in the garden. Right? He said, if you, then you will be. Not realizing that they already were. Just like God. If you eat of the tree, then you'll be like God. No, they already were just like God. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Let us make man in our image. They were just like him. Don't ever lower your philosophy on that. Before the fall, Adam was just like God. With the ability to create with his words, just like God. God had to get him speaking. What did he do? He brought the animals by. What do you call this one, Adam? Adam said, well, that's a dog. You know what God said? Then that's a dog. (laughs) All he did was back up whatever Adam said. All he'll do is back up whatever you say. Come on, somebody. Verse 8, Romans 6 and 8. Now, somebody say now. If we be dead with Christ, now if we be dead, now now is we dead with Christ? No, 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 are we? Is we dead with Christ? Yes, I just read it to you. When he died, what did I tell you, man? When he died, you died, amen? So is we dead? Yes, we dead with Christ. What's the flip side of that coin? We alive with Christ. Come on, somebody. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Verse 9. Knowing. I'm telling you, in this chapter alone, he mentions the word know four times. He wants you to know this. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Jesus is not somewhere getting on a cross for you. Ah. He did it one time, and that was enough. Past, present, fear. Sin is not the issue. The root's the issue. Your performance is not the issue. You receiving his performance is the issue. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin what? Once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Verse 11. Likewise. Somebody say likewise. Likewise, reckon you yourselves also to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I thought Paul was just being country when he said reckon. Amen? (laughs) The word reckon is a translation of a Greek word that is used 41 times in the New Testament, 19 times in the book of Romans alone. The word reckon, somebody say reckon. Reckon. Well, I reckon so. The word reckon (laughs) is an accounting term. Reckoning is not a claiming, is not claiming a promise, but acting on a fact. It's acting on a fact, something that is actually true. God does not command us to become dead to sin. He tells you that you already are dead to sin. So reckon yourself dead to sin. Get your calculator out and go ahead and compute it up. Somebody say, I'm dead to sin. He tells us that we are dead to sin and alive unto God. And then he tells us to act on it by being made aware of our identity. Even if you don't act on what I'm telling you today, it's still true. (laughs) 
Galatians 2 and 20, don't go there, let me read it. King James. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Go to Hebrews 4 and 15. We'll come back to Romans. Go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Man, you can hear in this pulpit, Pastor. You can hear. Wow. Just hear words of knowledge dropping all over. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Noun or verb? It's a noun. He was tried in every way by the people of that day to try to find out if he had a sin nature. They did everything they could to try to get him not to sin, but just to see if there was a nature there to sin. He was not born of man. He was born of his father. He had no nature to sin. No matter what you put in front of him, he wouldn't sin. Because he didn't have the root for it. You don't have the root for it. The only thing left in you is the residue from the old man that keeps telling you that that's okay. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Some of you Bible thumpers can probably quote that. For he hath made him. Well, let's, for who has made who? For God has made Jesus to be sin. Noun or verb? It's a noun. Hamartia in the Greek. For God has made Jesus to be hamartia or the sin nature for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The ground I was telling your pastor this morning, what an exchange that took place at the cross. All my garbage, all my failures, all my stuff, he took it and he gave me his royalty. He gave me his peculiarity. He gave me his holiness. Listen, church, you don't increase in holiness. Ah. You don't increase in holiness. You increase in your awareness of how holy you already are. Somebody say, I'm holy. I'm holy. He took your nature to the cross. He took something he knew nothing about. And he put it on him, and he took it to the cross so that he could take something that we knew nothing about, which is the very righteousness of God, and put it in us. That's what happened at the cross. Jesus knew that if he could give us the right root, then we could begin to bear the correct fruit. Jesus knew that if he did not solve the root issue, he would not be able to solve the fruit issue. We keep all our lives trying not to sin, trying not to sin, trying not to sin, when we don't realize that we don't have the nature anymore to sin. You want to not sin in your life? You want people to look at you and go, wow, you just don't act like you used to. Realize that you have a new root. That root has a name. I'll go ahead and tell you what it is. It's, it's Jesus. Amen. John 14 and 30, you don't have to go there. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, Jesus said, for the prince of the world cometh and hath nothing in me. There's Jesus telling us he didn't have the root. He didn't have the root to sin. Verse 12 of Romans 6. 
Coming down the stretch. Here we go. Let not. Let not. That's interesting. Let not. He's telling you to do this. Let not. Let not, there, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. The way that you let not sin reign in your mortal body is by renewing your mind. I thank God for churches like this. I thank God for visions that are being cast over people in the earth like this. Download centers where we can come to on Sunday morning and Wednesday night and get a fresh download about who we really are. Amen. Thankful for this church. Amen. Amen. Verse 13. Neither yield ye your members, talking about what you do with your hands, amen, or your feet, or your mind, or your tongue. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You have a choice. You can either yield yourself to the old nature or to the new nature. You have just become responsible for this teaching. Amen? You have a choice. When you see, you don't end up in the bed with somebody you ain't supposed to be in the bed with. I'm going to say it, Pastor. You don't end up in the bed with somebody that you're not supposed to be in the bed with and go, wow, what am I doing here? And who are you? And where are my clothes at? That is not how that happens. You willed that to happen. Amen? No such thing as an unwillful sin. All sin is willful. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor. Church cannot be dance, fall out, run around all the time. I wouldn't serve a God I can't feel. That's your problem. That is the problem. It cannot be come to church, dance, fall out, run around. Tuesday morning, the devil comes calling, and I don't know what to do. It has to be places that we come to to find out who we really are. So in the midnight hour, when there's sickness in your child, you don't call the pastor. You go in there, and you, with all the authority and all the dominion that God has given you, you lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. Verse 14, for sin, the old man, the body of sin, the old root, the one you were born with, shall not have dominion and shall not dominate you, for you are not under the law, but you're under grace. Those that live their lives under the law of Moses or their own performance, making them right with God, are dominated by the residue of the sin nature. Uh, living life under the law gives you consciousness of sin instead of a consciousness of righteousness. You should have, you should have no relationship with the law. Your relationship is with the Holy Spirit. The law tells you not to commit adultery. Jill, I don't know why I keep getting on that. Uh, the law tells you thou shalt not commit adultery. And that's all it says. 
But the Holy Ghost will tell you, sir, you better go in there and love on her right now. She had a day that you have no idea what kind of day she had. And you need to go in there and you need to love on her right now. We got to begin to replace the cheaper, which is a list of rules and regulations, for the deeper, which is getting yourself in the quiet place and still in your mind and beginning to hear from God. Remember, the law is about doing. Grace is about what's already been done. The law demands, 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 where grace supplies, supplies, supplies. The law is about do, do, do. Grace is about done, done, done. Verse 15. Here's your verb. Finally, we get a verb. Amen? Any English teachers in here? Your English teacher? I'm sorry? Do you teach English? How am I doing? <laughs> Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin? Hey, Martino. Action words. It's the only time in the entire sixth chapter that this word is used. Shall we sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace? Look what he says. God forbid. How can you continue to send action word when you don't have the root noun to do it? Oh. Verse 16. Know ye not that to whom? Somebody say to whom. To, somebody say to whom. Say one more time. Say to whom. So we're talking about somebody, ain't we? Somebody would be a what? A noun. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin, noun, unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. Who are you listening to? But God be thanked that you were servants of sin, noun, but you have obeyed, somebody say obey, obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. The word obey, somebody say obey. The word obey does not mean committed to carrying out something. In the English it does, and it was translated as the word obey, but the word in the Greek means to hearken or to listen or to give attention to. Paul is saying, who are you listening to? Are you listening to this guy right here? Because if you continue to listen to this root, you're going to continue to get sin out of your life. But if you begin to listen to this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, you're going to begin to produce the fruit of spirit or bear it. So whom are you listening to? You have given from the heart attention to the doctrine that was just delivered. This doctrine is called the new man. What does Ephesians say? Put on the new man. If any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, he is a new man. You're either going to be stuck with what this guy gave you, or you're going to be stuck with what this guy gave you. That's what he's saying in Romans 6. So who are you listening to? Verse 18. We're almost done. Being then made free from sin. Ah, ah. Somebody say I'm free from sin. The challenge, church, is when you do miss the mark verb, 
when you do sin, the challenge is for you to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and remind yourself of who you really are. You cannot be a sinner saved by grace any longer. That has to stop today. How bipolar is that? I'm a sinner, yet I'm saved by grace. Somebody say, I'm saved by grace. Verse 18. Being then made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were, somebody say, I was, I was. the servants of sin, noun, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, somebody say now. But now being made free from sin. And become servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. The day that you believe that you no longer have a sin nature, but it has been replaced with a new creation is the same day that you will begin to bear holiness as fruit. I'm living this. Y'all get my first book. They're going to be back there for sale. Today, I, I, they're 10 bucks each, but today if you buy all three, I'll do it for $30. Amen? <laughs> Verse 23. Man, this scripture has just been so, mis it's just not, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For the wages of sinning is death. No, the wages of you staying in this nature right here is death. But if you will swap natures and get this guy's nature through the new birth, the gift of God is eternal life. How many of you want to live forever in this room? Come on, somebody. Me and you are going to go fishing in heaven, sir. I don't know why, but we are. We'll have all the time in the world. Nobody will wear a watch. Won't be any Band-Aids. Mm. Sorry, Jill. Won't be any nurses. I believe we'll still have to cut the grass, though, right? Well, everything's growing. Told your pastor this morning, don't be concerned about empty seats. Ah, somebody's coming to fill this one. Don't be concerned about empty seats. Be concerned about the ones that are occupied. Come on. The reason being, healthy things grow. And if you will concern yourself with the people that are actually here, the church will take on a healthy stature and begin to grow like what you're experiencing. Amen? Just a couple of more uh, notes, if you will. Anybody get anything out of this? My, my family makes fun of me because I teach with a whiteboard. Amen? Christmas is coming. Maybe I'll get a bigger one. Amen? <laughs> what I just taught you is a chapter in my newest book that's going to be released. I'm trying to figure out when to release it. Uh, it's called Flip the Switch. And the reason why I'm calling it Flip the Switch is because the book is about authority. And when, when you go home today and it's dark in your house, 
You can't see. You're in need of what? So what do you do? Call Georgia Power? How foolish it would be for us to call Georgia Power when we need light when the relationship with Georgia Power has already been established. The bill's been paid. Come on, somebody. So now in order for us to have light, what do we need to do? We keep going to God about the problem when in reality we ought to be going to the problem about the finished work of Jesus. Come on, that's good. Come on. So while I was writing this chapter, God gave me a word. And it's startling. And I love it when he speaks to me. How many of you love it when he speaks to you? Can I tell you that he's speaking to each and every one of you on a daily basis? Ah. How many of you had children? Those of you that don't have children used to be a child. Amen? So... How many of you talk to your children? How many of you hurt when you don't talk to them? Man, it's the same thing in prayer. Amen? So talk to God. God's talking. He's already talking to you. We should never go to God and say, speak to me. Ah, he's already speaking to us. Amen? So this is what he said to me. So just, just close your Bibles and just listen to this word. Amen? Let this word minister to you. I'm almost done. I'm practically done. God said to me as I was writing, This is what he says. God says, I do not, Bobby Shane, I don't need your faithfulness. I just need your faith. I have proven my faithfulness while you have proven your unfaithfulness. I just need you to believe in my faithfulness. If you will believe in what I can do, instead of focusing on what you can do, I will bring you unmerited, unearned, and undeserved favor coming from fruit from fields that you didn't plant and homes that you did not build and reservoirs of water. He doesn't need your faithfulness. He needs your faith in his faithfulness. How many of you in this room are completely persuaded right now that you are indeed born again? After hearing this teaching, you ought to be on a different level with what you have because of what Jesus did. You ought to walk out of here so secure. I mean, I thought I was falling in and out of salvation my whole life, man. People say, is he talking to himself? You know what I was doing? Confessing my sin, man. Running around all the time, confessing sin. Because I knew that God was mad at me. When in fact, God is absolutely delighted in me. If any of you feel like you need to make sure that you have a new route, this is your time. You don't have to come down here. You can. I want to pray. Amen. There's an anointing in this room to remove burdens and destroy yokes. And one of the biggest yokes and burdens on the body of Christ is not being secure in our salvation. We need to know. We need to know that when we mess up, He's there to pick us up. There's no condemnation, guilt, or shame for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. I pray over this generation right now that y'all lock on to a righteousness consciousness and that you never let it go, ever. Because you're who He says you are. And the last time I checked, I can't get God to remind me of my sin. He just won't do it. 
You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.